Think big. Think positive. Never show any sign of weakness. Always go for the throat. Buy low, sell high. Fear, that's the other guy's problem. Nothing you have ever experienced can prepare you for the unbridled carnage you're about to witness. Right. Super Bowl, the World Series, they don't know what pressure is. In this building, it's either kill or be killed. You make no friends in the pits and you take no prisoners. One minute, you're up half a million in soybeans, and the next, boom. Your kids don't go to college and they've repossessed your Bentley. Are you with me? Hello and welcome to Turner's Take Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Turner, author of Turner's Take Newsletter. I'm a broker here at Stonex. I specialize in grain and oil seeds. My group also has specialists in the energy markets, natural gas and crude. We have experts in livestock and protein, in the dairy markets, uh, interest rates, plastics, fertilizer. So if you have any questions for me and my team, uh, feel free to reach out. My number is 312-706-7610. Email is craig.turner at stonex.com. If you're a client, you want to talk about anything or anything else in the market that was going on in this podcast or not, uh, you can always give my cell phone a call or text me. You should have that too. All right. So, oh, and if you like this podcast, please give us a positive review on iTunes. Send it over to anyone you think might like it. And if you want to check out my newsletter, Turner's Take, just go to turnerstake.com. Uh, it'll bring you to uh, a page where you can, you know, click on trial the the newsletter. It takes you to the Stonex Market Intelligence page. You fill that out. You get check out the newsletter too. Um, all right, so that is about it. Let's dive into things. So I'm gonna go over. We're in the last week of August here. Last week of August is usually quiet and the markets grind lower. That's not exactly happened this year. We'll talk a little bit about that, but uh, really it's hard to get excited. It's really hard to get excited about the grain markets until we can get through like this, you know, this harvest period here. So tends to lull everyone asleep. Couple of things about the end of August. When I first started in my career, I was on the equity side. I was right out of college. I was working in New York, down on Wall Street and this time of year, August 25th, no one was around. It was skeleton staff. It was all the junior employees out there. School doesn't start till after Labor Day. So anyone who's anybody is out of the office right now. That anyone who makes decisions on Wall Street in New York is, is, not, is just not in the office. They're all on vacation with their family before they go back to school. And it'd be guys like me who are in their 20s. Um, trying to just keep an eye on things and make sure you know the ship doesn't go down in the middle of the night, right? That kind of stuff. Um, the so the volumes are going to be low for any for any of the trading that gets done out there. Chicago and Midwest a little bit different. All our kids have gone back to school. My high schooler went back last week. Kids in elementary and middle school went back this week. That's pretty much par for the core course around here. Um, and so it's a little bit different, but for the most part, it's still kind of quiet. Also, when you're in the end of August, this is usually the beginning of the end for the bearish seasonal period in the grain and oil seed markets. Now, corn tends to bottom out between the first notice day uh, for the September contract. So that'd be August 31st, you know, somewhere from that be the start of it. And, and then the the end of that bearish period is usually by the end of September. And a couple of things are going. Corn's being harvested. Some of it is being sold right off the combine. 
Um, there are old crop cash contracts that need to be priced. You know, there's a lot of grain origination tools out there, whether it be basis contracts or deferred pricing. These maybe the uh, the ownership and the basis has been negotiated, but the final price, the final sales price hasn't, and that needs to happen and delivered, and that can cause bearish pressure on the futures market. Soybeans are going to be harvested here in September and October. You're going to see a lot of, I think we're going to see a lot of selling of soybeans at these prices. Soybeans in the high 13s, we get to $14 on the future, whatever it may be. I just see, a, and you're, if you're a farmer and you're trying to consider, what am I going to store this year? I think with all the money in the from the inputs in the corn crop and where prices are, it's more likely to see corn stored and then guys just booking the soybeans. Um, I can see that. And we, by the way, probably should buy, get some exposure back on paper there. And I'll, I'll get a little bit into that in a second here, but, you know, and then wheat's kind of a follower um, in that respect too. Though with this year and the Black Sea situation, um, certainly doesn't have to be a follower. We've actually seen wheat lead the market, but that really had more to do with geopolitical risk rather than uh, what was going on out in the fields. But that is, uh, that is kind of where we are at the end of August. As we get into September, grain and oil seed markets tend to bottom out. And when we get into October and November, two things are going on. One, that selling pressure is gone. Grain is being put in the bin and sales would, would have stopped and, and the market's allowed to kind of, like a buoy, allowed to come back up. And then the double-sided thing on that is we start talking about South America. We could have a El Nino this year different than La Nina. Um, you know, La Nina, when we have La Nina down in South America, you get a dry Argentina, you get a dry Southern Brazil, and then Central to Northern Brazil usually looks pretty good. El Nino is quite the opposite. It's kind of interesting that we would go from, I think it's a little interesting that we're going from La Nina to El Nino so fast, but an El Nino effect would do the opposite. Argentina does in theory get a lot of rain, so does Southern Brazil. And that central to northern part of Brazil gets more dry. We'll see. Um, but that's going to be in the news. And if it does get dry and we have a tight soybean crop, which it looks like we will, uh, that could put some weather premium in the market. That can't happen in August 25th. That can happen in October. And you can have anticipation for it to happen in September. That's it's hard to do it right, you know, this time of year. So this time of year is not a great law, not a great time to be long the grain market. If you're on the commercial side, if you're an end user, it's a good time to be buying. That's for sure. If you're on the spec side, it's a good time to be buying historically and seasonally. And farmers looking to buy back old crop sales, guys who are selling old crop corn and soybeans back in April, May, June into July. You know, August and September can be good times to buy a little of that back on paper as we head into as we head into the South American crop cycle. So that's that's kind of where we are. Now, if I had to pick one market or one segment, I would probably like canola and soybeans here. Um, probably soybeans more than canola, but let me tell you why. The, the canola market Seasonally, all these markets have come down um, as expected or as you would have a typical seasonal pattern since, let's say, the 4th of July. 
soybeans has really rallied here, but and what's been going on under the radar here is canola has also rallied. I mean, and you know, when soybeans got to 1180 or right under 12 bucks, canola was in under 700 per ton in the high 600s. And now we're above 800 in canola and soybeans are testing 14 bucks per bushel. Uh, the soybean crop certainly went under stress. It is too early to really know how that crop has panned out. Um, you know, what's nice thing about Pro Farmer tour that we had this week, it went through the Midwest, you know, on the Eastern side, so everyone knows it starts over in Indiana and on the Western leg starts over in Nebraska. And then they work their way towards each other until the Eastern leg gets into Illinois, the Western leg gets into Iowa. And they, you know, that half, that takes three days. And then the last day, they, they go up north into Minnesota and they meet together in Minnesota on that day four Thursday night. There's nothing like that that happens in Canada or in Western Canada, um, you know, through Alberta, Saskatchewan and Manitoba. You do get to talk to a lot of farmers um, and the spring wheat's looking from what I can gather. The spring wheat looks better than what we thought. I also gather that from the guys in North Dakota, too. The spring wheat's a little bit better than people thought, so that's good good for farmers um, with the production there. The canola jury is still out. There's just not enough evidence on what this canola crop's going to look like. And just with the weather and what happened, we're, here, we're looking at to see what happened with soybeans. I don't know. I'm a little bit more on the bullish side. You take a look at canola. It's, you know, it's, it's been a little bit of a sleeper here. I mean, unless you're in Canada, but if you're outside of Canada, canola was a little bit of a sleeper here as we... As we rallied here over the past couple of months, so heading into the fall, it looks like oil seeds are going to be tight, and the the one thing that can really change the market or the supply of oil seeds and vegetable oil would be that South American crop. And while canola, you know, they don't grow canola down in you know in South America, um, they certainly grow soybeans, and there's definitely going to be a direct correlation in you know with those markets. They're probably going to do record soybean acres if there is weather issues, planting delays, it's too dry, it's too wet, whatever it may be. We're going to be we're going to be very tight on soybeans, somewhat tight on canola, and it is definitely going to have an effect on price if we get some serious weather scares down in South America. And I've always said I I like the saying a lot when it comes to soybeans new crop eventually becomes old crop. And when soybeans are tight in new crop, we talk 12, 13, maybe $14. But when we talk tightness in the old crop, we're talking 13, 14, 15, $16. And if there is some real concern about South America and you know, knock on wood, China's still buying soybeans and still needs soybeans, well, um, September can be a nice time to put on some call spreads or get some kind of long exposure to the soybean market for a potential weather rally in in South America. If I'm on the buy side and I need meal, if I need soybeans for the crush or I need the end product for the meal and the soybean oil, you know, they're thinking the same thing. They're going to use the seasonality to get their coverage out to, you know, up, probably up until 2024, that would not be that would not surprise me at all. I wouldn't, if I was an end user, I wouldn't want to risk it. 
And if I'm a farmer and I'm selling, you know, if you're making some good margins on selling $13, $14 soybeans and storing the corn, then we get, and then you want to buy some of this back on paper for a South American rally. That makes sense too. I think that's how this, how this goes down here for a while. Um, it's still way too early to talk about planting acres next year for the U.S. and all that stuff. What we need to do is figure out what the crop size is this year. And I wouldn't be surprised if soybeans come down a million, uh, one bushel per acre after that crop tour and just seeing all the, the soybean results. If the USDA changed soybeans from 50.9 to 49.9, would not shock me. That's about 82 million bushels that come off the supply side on soybeans. And we're at about a 240, 250 carry out. Now it's not one for one. You know, as the price goes higher because the supply is lower, the exports also tend to come down. But even if exports went from 1.8 to, I don't know, maybe we're 1.75 billion or something like that. Ending stocks are still, are still gonna be tight. We're still gonna be under 200 on the ending stocks most likely. And that does argue for higher soybean prices here. So I think uh, we did see high prices discourage demand. We did see the ending stocks for for old crop soybeans. You know, eventually you're gonna you're gonna finish at a decent number. Uh, for canola, same deal. Probably gonna have a a, a decent carrying on the canola the canola market just because these high prices did discourage export demand. And Australia was able to sell more sell more canola too. Um, so we're not starting off the year super, super tight, but we are, we're definitely snug to start off the year in these things. And you can see the, we can see those, those rallies would be most likely oil seeds. Also keep in mind, soybean oil, we're going to, over the next two or three years, I know I've been saying this a lot, but we, with all the crush capacity coming on in the United States, and probably Canada too, are going to turn into countries that are going to crush most of their oil seeds at home, use the oil, not just for food, but for renewable biofuels. And then the excess meal just gets shipped out and the United States and Canada transition from exporters of the whole oil seed to basically exporters of the meal. I think those days are coming and that's why I like the soybean oil. And then for canola, you can only buy the canola seed, but on the futures market, but uh, you know, the canola is going to go, we are, we are transitioning in oil seeds from a meal, a meal dominated market to an oil dominated market. I think that's going to be pretty interesting as time goes on. Um, that I don't want to get, I don't have a ton of t to talk about this week. It is end of August, and there just traditionally isn't a whole lot going on. A couple of house needing notes, though, uh, housekeeping notes, though, for, for Turner's take. We will be traveling. Um, I know I'm going to be in Nebraska in December. I'm going to be in Iowa at the end of January. There, you know, there the, there's the, the, the Ag Expos out there. I'll be at the Van Trump conference again in early January in Kansas City. We will be at Commodity Classic. So my team goes to Commodity Classic. The guys who sit right next to me, which is top third in Mark Gold's group, we're all part of 
um, World Part of Stonex. I think those guys are going to farm progress this weekend. Um, we uh, or the or I want to say next week. Um, so I won't be there, but I will be at Commodity Classic if you travel down there too. I will be traveling within the Midwest just for Turner's take. And I typically, you know, Stonex wants us to, to travel more and get out and see people. So there's a budget for it. I am going to go. And it'd be the first time, you know, for me to do that just with not being part of a bigger show. But I think we're going to be in uh, somewhere around Indianapolis, still trying to figure out exactly where, uh, but we'll be out there. Um, I'm going to be most likely somewhere in central Illinois and whether that be by Decatur or Champaign or, you know, or I'm just trying to think of where else we might be Peoria somewhere, somewhere in that area, I think we'll be, I'll be doing a show too. And then do have a lot of clients in the Dakotas and uh, I'll probably, the trickiest one is going to be getting up to the, you know, the South Dakota, North Dakota region. But those are the three that we've identified where I should be going out and holding uh, client meetings and seminars. So be on the lookout for that. If you are in that neck of the woods, reach out to me and I'll happy to give you the, the lowdown and maybe can even make some recs on where we might be wanting to hold some of these events. But uh, again, it, and we're going to basically go over how to read the markets, you know, how to how to come up with price ranges, how to you know, figure out a price range in a market based on one, where you think the possibility of yields can be, and two, what are the possi realistic possibility of acres with respect to uh, with respect to demand. Um, we will be kind of going over also little things that guys don't know, like you know, yeah, how to. I don't know a lot of people know this is, but like for example, limit up, limit down. Like I've, I can only think of like one or two times on my hand where I couldn't get out of a limit up or limit down market, like in a day. And sometimes that kind of thing prevents people from trading the futures markets, not realizing, realizing you can, you can trade when we're limit up, limit down. Um, kind of going over, you know, kind of a little inside baseball stuff on that. Um, and yeah, little tricks of the trades that we've learned, you know, over the years. But I think what we, re and also too, you know, for example, the wheat markets exploded when the the Ukraine-Russian war started, but now that really hasn't been it really hasn't been affected by the news. There's some very good reasons for that. I don't think people realize, you know, why. It's hard to explain over a podcast format or in a newsletter. It's a lot easier to let you know, kind of turn on some light bulbs and have everyone really understand what's going on when you actually get in a room. So there'll be you know topics like that too. It's not going to be just some straight marketing meeting but anyways i'm excited for it you'll hear a lot more about it and listen if you're a listener here and you're you know with a bank or with a seed company or you're with a co-op and you look for speakers let me know i have um i think about working for a fortune 100 companies um i've been given a budget to travel so i'm happy to, to happy to come out just to let me know so Hope everyone had a good week. I will uh, talk to you all next week. And um, yeah, last week of August, traditionally, pretty bearish for the corn market. But if there's a short crop out there and things did not go so well, 
uh, you can get an early start to the seasonal bullish pattern. We'll just have to see. Thanks for listening, everybody, and I will talk to you later. This material is conveyed as a solicitation for entering into a derivatives transaction. This material has been prepared by a Daniels Trading Broker who provides research market commentary and trade recommendations as part of his or her solicitation for accounts and solicitation for trades. Daniels Trading, its principals, brokers, and employees may trade in derivatives for their own accounts or for the accounts of others due to various factors such as risk tolerance, margin requirements, trading objectives, short-term versus long-term strategies, technical versus fundamental market analysis, and other factors. Such trading may result in the initiation or liquidation of positions that are different from or contrary to the opinions and recommendations contained therein. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future performance. The risk of loss in trading futures contracts or commodity options can be substantial, and therefore, investors should understand the risks involved in taking leveraged positions and must assume responsibility for the risks associated with such investments and for their results. You should carefully consider whether such trading is suitable for you in light of your circumstances and financial resources. You should read the risk disclosure accessed at www www.danielstrading.com Daniel's Trading is not affiliated with nor does it endorse any trading system, newsletter, or similar service. Daniel's Trading does not guarantee or verify any performance claims made by such systems or services.